If you've never heard Pastor Bob Johnson, uh, Pastor Bob is out of New City Church in Great Falls, Montana. And, you know, if I could, if I could honestly say like one thing about Pastor Bob, um, he may be one of the most soft-spoken guys I've ever met, but I've rarely met a person who has more impact as a father. Bob is a real father in the church. And, you know, he, I've heard him speak so much, but it's like every time I hear him speak, like, I, it almost feels like I hear my dad say, you're doing good, buddy. Like, I feel that. You know what I'm talking about? When, when, when your dad tells you, man, I love you, I'm proud of you. That's what, how, how I feel every time I hear Pastor Bob speak. And so I'm, I'm telling you this morning, you're going to be blessed. God's going to minister to you. Can we, can we stand on our feet as we give Pastor Bob a, uh, a welcome this morning? I have my grandson with me today, my wife, it's Hunter. He is a passionate man of God, and he's, uh, he's my favorite worshiper in the world. Uh, he just, uh, it's, it's interesting, most of my grandkids are all worship leaders, and my, my children are worship leaders. Uh, Hunter is a worshiper, and uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I love this church. I'm, I haven't been here. Actually, you guys have, I, I haven't, this is the first time I've been here since you remodeled, and you guys did an amazing job. This is really looks nice, and, and uh, I, I'm excited about the growth. Uh, Pastor Jeff and I are good friends. We talk on the phone all the time, and, and I've kind of kept up with what's going on, and I'm really excited for that. Um, let, let me commend you for sending him on, on a sabbatical. This is my 40th year of pastoring, and I, I wouldn't be here still if I hadn't taken some sabbaticals. Um, and, and I know sometimes it's hard to understand, but uh, pastoring is 24-7. You're always, there's always that sense of, of care. And um, when, when I, whenever I take a sabbatical, it would take about three or four weeks to even figure I was off. And, and then, then it would, and I'd, it'd settle. And I, I remember the first time I did it, when I came back into our town, you drive in a hill into our, our towns in like a little valley, and, and uh, I, I could feel the weight of the church coming on as I was driving down. It's almost a physical, like, like getting a saddle put on you or something. And, and there really is, um, uh, this is really good for Jeff and Robbie, and uh, you, you bless them, and I think, it's one of the reasons your church is good. They care for you and you care for them. And, and uh, I commend you for that. Um, about two years ago, I was at a conference in, in Portland. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to do a message on the end times. And when he, when he said that, I thought, God, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> I mean, how many have ever... I mean, obviously God knows what He's doing, but, but you, you look at yourself and you think, that's just not my forte, it's not even... In fact, I actually am suspicious of most people that preach in the end times. Because everybody... You know, you know that half hour of silence in heaven it talks about? That's so we can all figure out our charts. <laughs> and correct them. Um, but I really... I had this strong sense that God wanted me to do a message on the end times. And, and the, the, kind of the way a message, I don't normally talk about how a message is formed, but sometimes it, a message will take a couple of years. It'll just be kind of my brain and my heart and occasionally pray about it. Um, and, and it's also going to come out 
how God makes you, what the grace is in you. And so uh, if you're, you're really excited that I'm going to do some big eschatology thing today, it's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I just had this, this sense of the end times. Now, I had no idea what was coming up. Uh, and you guys know the last two years have been probably some of the most confusing and, and troubling and just weird. Uh, you know, we churches closed, we had COVID, we had uh, racial stuff, we had political stuff, we had all kinds of things going on. And, and uh, I, I actually think and, and Jesus could come soon or he could come a long time from now. I'm sorry if I disappoint you in saying that, but um, you, you've seen the results of people said, I know the date, and Jesus said, I don't even know the date. Um, but I, I believe we should live like he's coming tomorrow, and I believe we should live like he's coming a thousand years from now. Does that make sense? And so that's more what I'm, what I'm what's in my heart today is, Actually, the title of the message is "While You're Waiting." <laughs> um, my, my grandson does graphics. I told him we, we should do a graphic with a guy leaning on a lamp post, waiting for a bust or something like that. But for this, but um, uh, turn your Bibles to Second Peter, Second uh, Peter three. It was, it was really interesting. I, I I preach my church now because I about a year and a half ago I transitioned. So all primarily what I do. I, I travel and go to other churches and preach, but maybe six, five, six times a year I preach at my church. Last fall, um, we had a lot of people sick and like a lot of churches, and uh, and so I I got called into substitute a few times. I told the church my new role is I'm the spare tire, you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, but one of those messages, I. I I said, well, I'm going to try to preach. I'm going to preach this message here that I'm, I'm just still working on thinking about. And we, we had the lowest attendance we'd had in probably 20 years. <laughs> it was COVID. We had a blizzard. And it was, it was just amazing. This tiny, I think our nine o'clock service had like 18 people in it. And, um, and our, our attendance was like around 900 or something like that. So we had, I think we had 200 that Sunday. Um, but it just this message has been on my heart, and I knew, when I knew I was coming here this summer, I really felt like God told me to preach this. So, First Peter or Second Peter, excuse me, three uh, verse ten says, um, "But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief." He made a movie one time, "The Thief in the Night," and we talk about that. Come as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. I'm reading out of the NLT in case you're wondering if I've got a different weird Bible or something, but. Um, the, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements himself will disappear with fire. And the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. So, so here's the picture. Eventually, everything's going to burn. That, that new pickup truck you just bought. I mean, what, what do you, one of the things you can take out of that, all the stuff that we think is so important will be gone. The stuff that will remain is us and our hearts. And he says, everything will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? Looking forward to the day of the Lord and hurrying it along. 
By the way, sharing the gospel hurries it along. All right. On that day, we will set the heaven, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Now, the elements are actually every physical thing you see is made up of elements. They're going to melt away. But we're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth, he's promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. When I was a young Christian, they used to say um, this phrase, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And um, it, basically where they're saying, don't be, don't be weird. And, and, and that's good counsel. <laughs> but, but honestly, the more heavenly minded in the right way you are, and the more, more understanding that this is all temporary and we're eternal beings and our hope is in heaven, the more you're going to conduct your life in the right way. We're, we're to set our affection on the things above. Amen? All right, so let's get to this, this next verse. Is, so, so, dear friends, this is you guys, while you're waiting... And by the way, this, this, um, this is all through Scripture. There's, there's this sense of uh, Hebrews in particular talks about that we're, we're pilgrims and strangers. And says it, it says they were looking for a, a new land, a new city whose builder and maker is God. It says that they had considered where they come from, they'd had reason to return. That's a really scary scripture, actually. And, and so he says, I want you focused. And, and these people who did all this, Hebrews 11 is kind of the, the miracle or the, the faith chapter. He says they had a focus on eternity. And so a, a God was their God, and he did these amazing things with them. He says, so now while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Let me give you another scripture, and I'm 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 doing what you shouldn't do. I'm cherry picking a scripture, but I I want to get a, a phrase. It's actually the passage where Jesus talks about the woman who who contends with the judge to get her way, and he's talking about uh, uh, faith that's persistent. And then he ends it in, in verse eight, Luke eighteen eighty says, "When the Son of Man return comes, in other words, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth?" We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, I want to read 2 Peter 3, 13 and 14 in the Message Bible. This is really cool. He says, we'll hardly even notice. Now, everything's going to be destroyed. Here, here's the world is going to turn upside down. I mean, a lot of people think it is right now. and I don't think they have a clue how bad it's going to get. And I, I don't know that it'll get bad now. I don't, it could get good for a while. But, but what needs to be destroyed is going to be destroyed. But then it makes this statement. He says, we'll hardly notice because we're looking the other way. I love that. We'll hardly even notice because we're looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped. I love that. I love Eugene Peterson. He wrote the Message Bible. Godly man, very godly man. Uh, landscape with righteousness. Now listen to this. So my dear friends, since this is what we have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best in purity and peace. I, I, I told when I did my church, I said, if you want to, I, you know, I, I think, I better, I better not say what I think, but 
if you want to get a tattoo, get that. That's, do your very best to be living at your best in purity and peace. I, my body's just too beautiful to tattoo. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> I, I got to hurry, but there's really some good stories I could tell right here. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I actually love tattoos. I use it to witness people, ask them about their... I told people, I, used to, I told my church, I used to say, nice tat. And my, my son corrected me. He said, Dad, say ink. Don't say tat. But anyway, and then it starts a conversation. And then I invite him to church to get saved. And baptize the Holy Spirit. Go out and plant a church. And it's amazing. Anyway. <laughs> so so here, here's, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how to live when things are falling apart. Or seem to be falling apart. Or when you're going through a difficult time or the end times, whatever it is. And, and for all of us, the end times are going to come probably within the next hundred years. For everybody, you, you, you get that. For, for me, it'll be a lot less than that. But, 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 but how, how does God want us to live? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, when, when COVID started, and there was all kinds of... Honestly, I was disappointed the way a lot of Christians reacted. Um, you know, I got fearful, and we're going to hoard our food. And uh, you, you know, and, and, and they actually gave away their food in tough times. Christians did; they weren't trying to save themselves; they were trying to help others. And but uh, that's another story. Anyway, how, how does God want you to live? And and really, all the time, particularly though, when 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 things are tight and tense and. And, and unconfusing. And, when the, and, and the Bible says that it's gonna, iniquity's gonna abound and grace is gonna much more abound, but, but there's, it's gonna probably get worse. It's gonna become less Christian. We, we, we've been a Christian nation for, for a long time, at least in name. We're even losing that some. And, and so how should we live? Well, we should march on Washington. <laughs> I'm, this is Northern Idaho. I've been really careful what I say. <laughs> no, I, I live in Montana, so I, uh, you guys don't scare me at all. <laughs> anyway, so, so I, I was actually praying about this because this is what I'm concerned about. God, how do you want, how do you want your people to be? I, I, I used to, when I pastored a church, I, I had this like... Uh, in golf, they call it a swing thought, something you think about to help you do the right thing. And I would think about our church, and I think, I want to raise a church if persecution came, if I was taken away, that, that does well. That it's not dependent on me, not dependent on, you know, if we lost our tithe uh, tax-exempt thing, would you still tithe? <laughs> Boy, it got quiet. <laughs> but, but honestly, really, what difference does that make? You don't tithe because you get the tax break. You tithe because God tells you to. And uh, I just threw that in for you. <laughs> Raise the honorarium. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I got up at O dark thirty this morning to get here from Spokane. So anyway, so so how does how does Jesus want us to live during these times? And and just in praying about, it, I, I felt I, I felt God put three things in my heart. Number one, He says I, I want you to live in purity. I want you to live in purity. Let me, let me read uh, the scripture in uh, 2 Peter. Uh, Since everything around us 
is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? Um, I, I've been a Christian since I was four and a half, and I'm uh, actually 70 years. I'm 74 and a half, a little over that. And uh, I had a long period of backsliding, when I, and then I came back to Jesus and have pretty much with all my heart served Him for the last 45 years or so, uh, or as best I could. But honestly, when I would read things like that, be holy for I'm holy, uh, we're to be holy and godly people, there was a part of me that would get nervous inside. Anybody else connect with what I'm saying here? Because I, I, I think knowing who you are is really important to have a good walk with God. And, and the truth is, I, and I honestly try to live a holy life and a godly life, but I don't always. I, I try to always put Jesus first, but sometimes I put Bob first. And, and I know that, and even, even when I wrestle with that and try to do it, I still... I, and, and so, in myself, there's never been a time where I say, I'm there. <laughs> in fact, honestly, when I look at Jesus, I don't think there's ever been a time when I said, I'm close. <laughs> do, do you guys get what I'm saying? And so, so when I read scriptures like that, I think, God, you want me to be holy and godly? And, and, I, and I see that I fall short of that. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with those things is we, we misunderstand what He means. And I, I want to help you with this today. Um, first of all, we're, we're holy and godly because of what Jesus did for us, right? My sins are washed away. I'm, I'm, I am holy Bob. I mean, legitimately by Scripture, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, God made Him who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.19, to become sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what that means is on the cross, you know, we, we always talk about the, the nails and the whipping and everything. Those are just symbolic. Here, here was the horror of the cross. On the cross, all of your junk and all of my junk was put on Jesus. Did you realize that? It was taken from you and put on Him. But if it's taken for you, it's not on you anymore. See? So that's why we're holy. So that said, but also, I think we're always, we're children in training before the Lord, before our Father. Amen? So let me, let me give you an, another scripture, and I've always really liked this. Micah 6, 8 says, The Lord has told you what's good and what He requires of you. How many know what God wants? I, that's as a pastor, that's probably one of the biggest questions. What does God want? Well, here it says this. It says, I want you to uh, do what's right. How, how many of you know what's right? Try that again. How many of you know what's right? Don't, maybe they don't teach that in northern Idaho. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you think about it, you know what's right. You know what's right from the scriptures. You, I mean, I know there's gray areas and stuff, but basically we know what's right. He says, I want you to do what's right. Do the right stuff. Do what you're supposed to do. He said, do what's right. Love mercy. And, and walk humbly with your God. Um, I think King James says, love justice and do mercy. Uh, love, do justice and love mercy. And I, I used to say people love to 
do mercy and love justice. But he, that's not the way he says it. He says, I want you to love mercy. And, and then just walk humbly with your God. Let me read it to you another translation. This is so good. And this may help you. Micah 6.8 in the Message Bible says, He's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Treat people right. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Makes sense. Listen to this. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I, I actually said that to people for years. And I was reading, I read this scripture in the Message Bible and I went, wow, it's in the Bible. Here, here's, and, and for some of you, this may be what you need to hear today. First of all, don't take your successes, your, your accomplishments, when God uses you, when things happen, don't take it too seriously. You know, uh, Joel, I talked about you having, can I walk on this? <laughs> Looks like it's going to go, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> you, you have no idea all the stuff that goes through a preacher's mind when he's up on the stage. <laughs> Is my fly done? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I talked about the gift of faith. And, and, and there really is a, 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 a bit of a challenge to that. Because if you pray for somebody and something miraculous happens, you can get really, hey, I'm really something. And, and you know, even when you don't want to, you can still do that. And so guard yourself. Understand it's God. There's nothing good that comes out of us except the Lord. But, but the Lord is in it. Amen? All right. So, so don't, don't be blessed when God uses you. Don't, don't get followed. Oh, it's just all the Lord. I, did. I, I spent hours praying over this message. I mean, I, I applied myself. But it's still God. But, but don't, don't, you know, somebody comes up and says, that, that message blessed me. I'm not going to, oh, it wasn't me. I actually, that's, that's false humility. I, what I say is thank you. And I'm blessed. I'm thrilled that God uses me to touch people, to help somebody. So, but don't take your successes and the things you do to understand all that is a gift from God. Now, the second one I'm going to tell you is going to sound almost like heresy. But don't take your failures too seriously. And, and I, I think this is where a lot of people... You sure I won't go down? <laughs> okay. I, I think a lot of people struggle with this. We fail, and we go, man, God's done with me. I'm, I'm the biggest loser that ever lived. How could I think like this? How could I act like this? How could I say that? And, and so what we do, because we take it so seriously, we either cover it up, or we justify it. When you fail, take it to the cross. And let the blood of Jesus wash away your guilt. Openly confess and move on. Move on. We're, we're, we're broken people becoming whole. And, and we're chill. You know, I, I raised... Uh, four children and two of my grandchildren. I got to raise my grandson. And, and, and all of them, when they learned to walk and do things, they fell down and they did it wrong. And I didn't go, man, that's it. 
I tried to help him and teach him. Uh, sometimes I corrected him. Sometimes I just picked him up and helped him start walking again. So don't, don't take your faith. Don't ever let your failures push you away from God. One of my favorite quotes uh, is Hudson Taylor. He's, he's kind of the founder of all Chinese missions. And he said, don't ever let anything come between you and the Lord. Whatever it is, whatever trouble it is, let it press you towards him rather than separating you. I'm, I'm messing up the quote, but that's about what he says. And, and, and really, as Christians, we need to understand that he, our Father's walking with us, teaching us to walk. And so when you fail, just go, go and get right. Don't take your failures. Too. So that's how you walk in purity, by the way. That's how you, because you come back to purity. You, you, I mess up. All right, God, here I am. What, what happens, and, and i got to go on, but when you are honest about your failure and you get it cleaned up, you have more incentive to stay pure. And when, when I was in the Navy, we wore uh, white uniforms, which to put teenage boys in white uniforms is just stupid. <laughs> And and we would go on. We would go off the ship. You had to you had to walk off the ship, and you say permission to go ashore, sir. And and they say permission granted. And you walk off. You'd be spotless. And then you'd get some mud on your pants. You go, oh man. And you clean it up, and then you eat a hot dog and you get a little mustard. Oh. And by the end of the evening, you come back and you just look like you've been rolled in the dirt, because <laughs> after a while you didn't care. It was a mess. And then and then you say. Permission to cross your patio, daddy-o. <laughs> Which always brought a warm response. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go there again. My wife's not here to tell me, honey, don't talk like that. Anyway, but, but do you understand? When you get clean, you want to stay clean. And so when you, when you fail, don't take it serious. Just take it to Jesus. Amen. Number two, number two is uh, in peace. Um, let me read the, the scripture. Matthew 5 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. You could, you could actually write that word and say, I, I, I can't make peace. You, do you understand that? The Prince of Peace, Jesus can. But I can bring peace. And, and that's. That's what I want you to do. Change that to peace bringers. I actually believe that's God's goal for you in times of turmoil. That we as a church are to be peace bringers. And, and by the way, when the Bible uses the word peace, it doesn't mean they're not fighting. It, it's a, the Greek word is shalom, or the Hebrew word is shalom. It's actually one of my favorite words in the Bible. And it, it essentially means this the way things are supposed to be. It's actually an amazing study when you start seeing it. And, and the church brings things the way they are supposed to be. Christ in our life brings shalom, the, makes things right. How, how many can look around and, and just realize, it's not, it shouldn't be this way. All right, that's why we need the shalom of God. And so we're to bring shalom bringers to the world around us. Look, look at it in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 1, 4 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. By the way, all these people that make you fuss, you watch in the news and you, well, I can't believe that. I can't believe they got elected. 
says, pray for them. <laughs> Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them, pray this way for kings and all in authority. Why? So we can live peaceful lives and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. So, so the mission of the church is to bring peace. When the world is collapsing, the church should stand out as the place it isn't. There's, a, there's one of my favorite passages in Isaiah chapter 2. It says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be raised above all mountains. And up mountain refers to government or authority. And so he says God's government, he's talking about his church, will be raised above all of authorities, and nations will be drawn to it and say, let's go to the house of Jacob, and because they have something. And so I want to change actually the way you think to where you say, my, my job in this time of turmoil is, is to show something different than the world has. People who have no... Do you, the, in uh, Ephesians, it says that people without God, it says they're without hope and without God in the world. That now, just, just think about that. Sometimes we just read these scriptures and we don't even consider... Whether, to live without any hope at all. I, I, I told you I got saved when I was four and a half. Even when I was backslidden, I had hope. And, and, and I even there was a place where I would say I wasn't sure God existed, but there was something in me had a hope that I would get back to it. Most people you know have no hope. And so if you have no hope, what you do is you develop false hope. Why? Because, because you've got to have something to that gives you a hope. And so maybe it's, maybe it's a recreation, maybe it's a success, maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's uh, sex or alcohol or drugs or something, something to give me hope. And, 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 and in their heart, they know it's false hope, but it's all they got. And so we're to be a people that bring them real hope. And one of the ways we do that is by bringing peace to the circumstances, to the life. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I mean, when, when I went to the grocery store and couldn't find toilet paper, I, I did not have peace. <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, if I can't find the right kind of olives, I don't have peace. You, how many have noticed when you shop, sometimes something you've used all your life, they don't carry it anymore. And they got some weird, bizarre brand that nobody's ever heard of. It's a diff- it is really a different world. And my flesh is tempted to... <sighs> I, uh, d- during COVID, I, I went to uh, our grocery store. And they said if you were over 70, I think you'd come at nine, before 9 in the morning and, and, and shop. So I go there and there's a whole bunch of young people there too. And uh, so I asked the wait the the the, the uh, clerk there. I said, I, I thought this just was for older people. Well, what do you want me to do about it? She says, I can't handle this. All I can't do. What do you want me to go talk to him? What do you want me to do? So, and I said, Whoa, whoa, whoa! I said, I, I'm sorry. This is hard on you, isn't it? She says, This is the hardest time I've ever had as a clerk because everybody's mad and angry. 
So what's my role in God? To join in that? Or to be somebody different? Can I pray for you? I'm, I'm sorry that it's this way. And I'm sorry I even, even added to your stress at all. Did, did, did you get what I'm talking about? So how, how do you do that? Well, the, that's the third thing that Jesus wants in the time is faith. So you do it. And, and, and by the way, I, I believe there's a gift of faith that, that makes miracles, makes things happen. But at its very essence, faith is just trusting God. And, and you know what? Every step of my life, I have to decide I'm going to trust God or I'm going to trust me and what I can bring. And, and my nature, we, we, I was just talking to somebody, actually to John Postle, we and I were talking yesterday, I said, my nature is to may, fix things. To, you know, it's a, kind of a guy thing, you know, you, your wife comes up, oh, the kids are terrible. I, don't want to. I said, all right, I'll take care of it. All right, you kids line up over the bed. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> I actually did that one time. She's sitting there crying. She said, that's not what I wanted. I said, well, what did you want? She just wanted to be able to tell me she was stressed out. And maybe me to say, honey, I understand. I love you. And, no, I'll fix it. <laughs> All right. So, so the way you do it is by trusting God faith. Let me, let me um, give you a scripture, and then I'm going to tell you a cool story. I'll read you a couple of scriptures. All right. Uh, Luke 18, that's scripture I read earlier. How much more of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find when he returns? If you're taking notes, write this on your notes. Isaiah 26.3. He says, you will keep in perfect peace the one that trusts in you. I'm not quoting exactly right, but that's basically what it says. The person that trusts in God is going to have peace. Jeremiah 17.7 and 8 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. My hope is not in the election my hope is not in the economy. My hope is not in a, in a vaccine for COVID or, or not a vaccine or a mask or not a mask. My, my hope is in God. They're like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Now, you guys live in a forested area. I live out in the plains. And when you drive across Montana, you'll see in the distance, you'll just see this clump of trees. And what that tells you, there's water there. And it doesn't matter what the weather's like, as long as that tr those trees are by the water, they, they continue to bloom and they're green. And, and they actually almost look out of place. That's what we're supposed to be like. So let me, let me tell you a cool story. We'll finish with this. In uh, uh, 2 Kings 5, you don't have to turn there. Um, actually, as I was, when I was working on this message, I was doing my devotion one day, and I just happened to read this passage, and I went, wow, that's, that's this in action. It, uh, the story is this. There's a Aram, or Syria, was bordered on Israel. And at that time, I believe the, the king's name was Benadad. He was the, they were probably the most powerful kingdom in that part of the world. Israel, and again, our church has lots and lots of new people, unsaved people, and new. But Israel had been divided into two nations. There were the southern kingdom, which was Judah and Benjamin, and the northern kingdom, which was the other tribes. And um, they each had their own issues. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
So, but the, the, the northern tribes tended to be a little less godly. They, had, they got more paganized. Well, the, anyway, the, the, this um, Benadad had a general, actually a general over all his armies. His name was Naaman. And he was, he was a really, he'd won these victories for, for, for Syria. But he had a skin disease. The Bible says leprosy, but sometimes when it says leprosy, it could be some other kind of skin disability. It could have been cancerous. It could have been anything. And this guy loved his general because he won all these battles for him. Um, the generals, they had captured a young girl from Israel. She became the maid of the general's wife. And she says, why doesn't my master go back to Israel and get healed? There, there's healing there. And so he goes to the king and he says, uh, I've heard there's healing in Israel and, you know, I've got this problem here. And the king says, man, I, I will do it. He gives him, and, and it's pretty amazing. It says, I think he says 150 pounds of gold and 700 pounds of silver and 10 suits of clothing. Uh, they did that a lot. I wonder why I'd give him a suit of clothing. But anyway, so... Uh, he says, go, and, and he wrote a letter to the king of Israel, and he said, uh, heal my boy. <laughs> and so, uh, Benadad, you know, he, he, he doesn't travel alone, he takes troops with him, and they go to Israel, and they go to the king, and give this letter, and, and the letter says, heal, heal, this, heal my general. <laughs> and the king of Israel, he's, he's an interesting guy, um, I forgot his name now, but anyway, he he was the son of Ahab, and the, the Bible says he was a little bit better than his father. Ahab was the worst king that Israel ever had, and most ungodly, and he said he was a little bit better than his father, which is not a great testimony, but and, and it, it, it's obvious he believed in God, and, and I, I think about this, probably everybody here believes in God. But you, you can even believe God, even be born again and not be living in faith and bringing peace. Do, do you understand that? Okay, so the king freaks. And it says he tore his clothing. I actually, when I first did this message, I was going to get an old shirt and tear it. But then I thought I might not be able to do that. So, <laughs> Plus, I don't have, you know, I said, anyway. <laughs> he said, what am I going to do? And he, he, says, he, and he says this, he says, am I God that I can heal somebody? He says, he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Actually, that's in, in the NLT. It says that's almost verbatim. He's trying to pick a fight. So there's a fear that he's trying to instigate something because he has this really powerful army that could come against him. Elijah the prophet hears about this and said, don't sweat it. And here's, I want you to see, here's this king who's at least nominally a Christian. <laughs> Believes God a little bit better than his father. When he hears this, he panics. Elijah hears about it, and he says, send it to me, I'll take care of it. So this, this general comes with his troops and all his gifts, and he calls out, he said, I want to talk to Elijah. Elijah just sends his servant out. Now this is the king. I, I don't know if you've ever been around really powerful people, people that used to a lot of authority. They, they don't handle this kind of thing very well. And particularly in those days, because because uh, general had life and death authority over people, 
And this little servant comes out. Well, Master says, just go down to the Jordan River and dunk seven times and you'll be healed. <laughs> he goes, what? I thought, it actually says, I thought he'd come out and wave his hand over me and declare me healed. What, he was looking for something big. There's another, think about that, how much with God, sometimes we want God to do something big. And God's doing something powerful in a simple way. But we can't even see it because it's not big. And sometimes even in ministry, we're attracted to big instead of real. That was a little extra thing in there. All right. And so he leaves. These guys ticked off. He actually said he left in a rage. He's going back to, he said, we have better rivers back home. I'm going back. And his, his officers start talking to him. And I, I'd love to have heard the conversation because <laughs> they're afraid of the guy. I mean, that's, how, that's a lot of times how generals rule, but was by fear. And sir, excuse me, sir, could, could I make a suggestion? <laughs> the, the Jordan's just right over there. Why don't you try it? And somehow he listens. So he goes in and he goes in the Jordan. He dunks seven times. This is so stupid. I can't believe I'm doing this. He does it. When he comes out of the water, the Bible says his skin was as smooth as a baby's butt. Now, now that's, that's a little bit of paraphrase. <laughs> but it, it actually says his skin was like a child's. And we, we have, I don't know if you ever guys ever use that expression, smooth as a baby's butt. Can I say that in church here? Is it okay? Okay. Okay. And the guy's overwhelmed. And he goes back to Elijah and he says, uh, calls him out again, here, here's, here, here's the gold and here's the silver and the suit. And Elijah said, I don't want any of that. I'm not looking for, I'm not doing this for money. I just, I don't want any of that. And this general, and, and, and you have to understand who these characters are. This is a proud, uh, strong man. And he says to the prophet, he says, could, could I have a couple of donkeys full of dirt? Just give me a couple baskets of dirt. So when I go home, I have some place to kneel on because I'll never worship anybody again but the God of Israel. When I read that the first time, I started to cry. God, you take the strongest heart and you break them. Not because of our power, but when we live in faith and peace. And that, that was his response. The king, he's freaked out. Elijah just trusts God. And God breaks this general's heart. And he says, no other God. No other God. And, and Elijah says this. Go in peace. Go in peace. That's what God's after in us. We're, we're peace bringers. Let me give you one last scripture and then we're going to pray. In um, And I, I use a lot of the Message Bible today because I, I like people to understand what it's saying. He says, go out in the world. This is Philippians 2.15. Go out in the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. That's, that's our commission. 
most of you are not going to be great evangelists. That's honestly that real. That's that's a gift. But all of us should live lives that draw people to Jesus. And you don't live a life drawing people to Jesus just by doing the right things, although you need to do the right stuff. You live it because in the midst of turmoil, you have a peace and a compassion. And so when this world is falling apart, breaking up, and I, I, again, this is a different part of the country than Montana, but I'm, I'm sure people are the same. You, know, you have neighbors like that. They're just, people are just stressed right now. Be, be light. Be a peace bringer be, because you trust in a living God.